Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Hi, Erickson Covenant Church. How are you? Nice to be with you this morning. I am Pastor Rob Peterson. I am the Associate Superintendent of the Canada Covenant. And uh, it is great to be uh, with you again this morning. I have gotten to know Pastor Tom over the last several months and year, and I, I just want to say that I, I think you have such a good pastor. Um, yeah, I probably don't need to say that, but I thought I would. I, I just really respect Pastor Tom, and uh, thanks for the opportunity for me to preach this morning. I want to begin by telling you just a, a little story. I, I, for the last 10 years, I have had the easiest commute to work. It's about nine minutes uh, out my door into my car, and I, I drive on one road. I have a few lights, a stop sign, and a left turn, It's and, and I'm there, nine minutes. So that's a pretty easy commute. I'm grateful. But there would be times when I would get to church, and I'd be sitting, just before I get out of the car, I would, it would dawn on me all of a sudden, like, was that light red, or was the light green? Or did, did I stop at the stop sign? My commute, my, my route to work is so familiar, so so familiar that I would drive it, I'm certain, without even being aware. I'm sure you've never had that experience before. You probably have. There are things that are so familiar that we just kind of lose track of, uh, of our surroundings. We just don't pay much attention when something is so familiar. I think this is true with many biblical truths, that they're so familiar. We've heard them maybe many, many, many times before, and we just stop noticing them. They don't become central. What I want to share with you this morning is a text. It's out of the book of Deuteronomy. It is one of the most recited and known Old Testament texts in the scriptures. And to the people of Israel, it was the central text that they would recite over and over again. But it's about the love of God and our loving, loyal response to God's commands. You've heard this before. So the danger is that when you, you could arrive at it and, uh, uh, like at the end of a sermon on the love of God, and you get to the end of the sermon and you go, huh, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't paying attention. I, I just, because... We've heard this so many times, but it is a central word. The context of Deuteronomy 6 is that God has given the people commands. Deuteronomy is sort of like a a retelling. Literally, Deuteronomy is like the second command or the second words. Uh, And Moses is giving sermons to the people of God because they're at a crossroad. They're at an intersection. They're at a critical moment. They're going to go from being nomadic 
into settlement from the desert into the promised land. And at this moment, the space in between, Moses wants to remind them of the critical pieces of who God is and what God has said through his commands. So here, part of this text. You may have already heard it, but I want to read it again. In chapter 6, these are the commands and the decrees. The Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and the commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy life long together. Hear, Israel, be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you and you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord God of your ancestors promised you. So Moses, it's just, it's, this is a part of his sermon. He is focusing in. People, remember, here again, our God has acted for our benefit. And remember, remember to obey. Hear, O Israel. Now these are the famous words. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your strength, with all of your and all of your soul. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit down, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Beautiful words that Moses shares with these people as they are about to enter the promised land. Love God with everything that you've got and obey God's commands with everything that you have. The text says the Lord is one, the Lord our God. Uh, that, that The phrase in the, in, in the original language is more not that there's multiple gods, but uh, this is, there is no one, there is no one like this one who did this for God's people, which was what? The greatest act of God for the people of Israel was the act of deliverance, of saving them from Egypt. God in grace acted on their behalf to bring them out of the land of slavery into the desert and now into the promised land. Moses starts his sermon in chapter 6 with grace. Sometimes when we think of the Old Testament, we think God's not very gracious. That's just, it's just not true. All through the Old Testament, everything that God demands of the people arise out of God's first act of grace. So God acted in love and then the right response to this activity of God of saving, a healthy, wise response <clears throat> is to love God back with your heart with your intellect, with, with your reason, with your life force, <laughs> your soul, and with very muchness. That's, that's literally the language, very muchness, with all the strength that you've got. Love God. Now, love in the Bible, I think you know this, but again, it's very familiar, maybe overly familiar, but love in the scriptures is not sentimental. It is to will, to will, 
to will the good of the other, to love God by choice, not based on emotion, though there's great affection we have for God. It is a choice to love God and to love God's commands and to live as God wants us to live. So at the crossroad before they go into the land, Moses gives this little summary. Here's the essence of who I want you to be as you go into the promised land. When we go to the New Testament, interestingly enough, there is a time, it's in Mark 12, where Jesus is being questioned by lawyers. Hear, Hear this text. And the context, again, is they're trying to trap Jesus. And in Mark 12, <clears throat> one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked of them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And now Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God, etc. All your heart, strength, mind, and soul. The second is this, which is again a summary of the Old Testament. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Incredible, incredible text. Moses calls for loyal love to God and loyal love of God's commandments. And our response, Moses is saying, to this goodness of God is so central. He's saying, you got to hear it. You got to learn it. You have to pass it on. You're to impress it upon others. You're to talk. You're to tie. And you're to use symbols. Uh, If you know anything about uh, the uh, Orthodox Jews, they they, they take much of the scripture literally. And so they they have this, the Shema tied to their hand or in a box on their forehead. And it's, it's this text. It's so central, but it is so familiar. Moses is encouraging a sort of spiritual formation in the love of God as they go into the land. When you're with your kids, talk about this. When you are walking along the way, talk about this. Impress this, that God and grace saved you from slavery, and now you are to love God by loving his commands and lovingly obeying. This life-transforming call to let the love of God transform them was to be their companion. And they were to ask God to keep this ever before them and to remember. What I'd like to do for the rest of my sermon is just sort of now clear some space as we take this very familiar text, okay? There's, there's not much more to say. It's pretty clear. Love God. Love God's commands. Live, in, live love wherever you are to the people of Israel. But what I want to do is clear some space now and say, what about us? What does this text mean for us today? If the good news is that God, by grace, saved the people of Israel out of slavery... And if the good news is that God, by grace, has saved us through the cross, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, offering us new life, hope, 
forgiveness of sins, the transformation of our character, the body of Christ and the life forever. If all of this is true, what is a right and good, loyal way to love God? Well, I think there's a lot of things that replace our love for God. I think there's a lot of human experiences, you have them, I have them, that actually are barriers to letting this this truth about the love of God be the center around which we live all of our life. In fact, in, in the sermon that Moses gives, he tips his hand to some of the barriers or challenges of, of what can replace love for God. L- listen, to these, listen to these words. So following verse 9, <clears throat> Moses is concerned that they're going to forget the love of God and the love of God's commands. It says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore your father to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. One of the barriers or what can keep us from being centered and living our life in God's love and a love for God's commands is that we forget affluence all around us. We forget that we have need of God. And Moses is so concerned that when they go into this promised land, that God's commands and love of God and fidelity to his ways will go by the wayside. Well, it's, it's exactly the same for us today. I think that's one of the ways when faith goes sideways, as it often does, it goes sideways because we forget our need. We forget the abundance of what God has done for us in Christ. But Moses adds a couple of other things. He said, I'm concerned that when you go into the promised land, uh, here's another thing. Verse 14, do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. That is harsh. But Moses in speaking to the people before they cross into the promised land, says, look, you're going to, you, will, you potentially can lose your way when you get attracted to or enticed by the powers of these lesser idols or these lesser gods. And that interest in them and the gods of the other, other nations are going to woo you away from fidelity and love of God in his commands. Many writers, spiritual writers, commentators say idolatry has just changed its forms in modern times. An idol is anything that we pursue with passion and love that takes us away from our primary love of God. So forgetting that God is good and gracious can be a barrier to knowing God's love. Being enticed by the powers of other things other lesser loves can take us from being centered in God's love and God's love for God's commands. 
But the third thing that Moses says is, do not put the Lord your God to test as you did at Massa. It's just one verse. What is that about? We have to go back to Exodus 17 and remember a story. The story essentially is that people are thirsty and they're looking for water and they're grumbling and they're saying to Moses, why did you bring us into the desert? They're testing God. They're saying, God, you're not as good as we thought you were. What's up? And then God commands Moses, strike this rock and out of the rock come comes water. Moses, in a sense, is reminding the people the danger of doubting the goodness of God can get in the way of believing that God is a God of love and grace. When we face hardship, as they did in the desert, and when we cry out because we're thirsty, metaphorically, we can begin to wonder Well, maybe God has forgotten us. Maybe God really doesn't care. And I'm I'm not denying that we have those feelings. They're real feelings. I, I have them with you. Sometimes when life gets extremely hard, it's okay to lament and to offer these prayers to God. But Moses, in preparing the people to stay centered in the love of God and fidelity to his ways, says, be careful, be careful not to doubt the goodness of God in hard situations. So for today, this text, love God with all of your strength, all of your mind, all of your soul, all you have. What gets in the way today? There are some more things. I think this is true for us. I I, I think this text, which is so familiar, and this truth of God's love and the the call to obedience, because it's so familiar that we, 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 we just sometimes let it slip away and other things fill in and we start to follow our own interests, our own way of life in the world. There is, you see, I think, an element of truth that sometimes by choice or inattention, by hurt or experience, by neglect or sin. We find ourselves blocked off from the awareness of God's love for us. And when that happens, so many things can go sideways in our life of faith. Moses named a few barriers that keep us from an awareness of God's grace that comes to us. I'll just name some more. Busyness. Busyness can numb us to who God is and where God is at work in our life. Self-contempt. We come to believe that we are fundamentally not worthy of love. Shame. Scruples. I have to get my life together before I can believe that God would love me. Secrets. If God really knew, of course God does know, but this functions at a very deep level in our heart that we will hide elements of our life from others and even from God because We're not certain that God always approaches us in grace and love. 
He doesn't always leave us as we are, thank God. He wants to transform us. But all of these things that Moses names and I just made, they can be ways of shutting us off from this incredible, incredibly familiar verse of grace of God acting on our behalf and then the call to have faithful, loving loyalty to God. I think it is safe to say that love of God and love for others, loving loyalty to God's commands, when it's not the center, things can go amok. As a spiritual director, and simply a spiritual director uh, is someone who is like a companion, walks with others uh, in intentional one-on-one relationship, helping them be aware of how God is with them. As a spiritual director of 20-some of years, I can, I can say with a certain amount of certainty that one of the primary themes of adults in their journey of faith is forgetting that they are the beloved people, person, child of God. It just happens. We forget. We forget about this incredible love. That God saved the Israelites. We know that, yes. That God saved us in Christ Jesus through cross and resurrection. We know that, yes. That there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, as the Apostle Paul quotes. That we are the beloved children, as the Apostle John tells us in 1 John. We can know this. It's so familiar. We can just, we just close our eyes, and of course we know that's the answer. God loves us. But experientially, we find ourselves drifting away. And the love of God for us particularly kind of goes cold. But the good news is this. The good news is that in Christ, God is for us. God is with us. God will never abandon us. And God comes to us in love at every crossroad that we face. There is a, there is a writer that I, I have appreciated <clears throat> His name is uh, David Benner, and he, he tells the story, this beautiful story of uh, encountering a very hard-hearted uh, adolescent who's experiencing incredible life challenges. And he tells the story of the relationship between this teenager and her mother. Let me read just a portion of the story. It's in a book called Surrender to Love. Amanda was 15 when she was referred to me after a serious uh, suicidal attempt. It was her third attempt in as many months. When I first met her in the waiting room, Amanda was dressed head to toe in black, with large black circles painted around her face. Her, Her face and her ears were riddled with studs and rings, and she wore a dog collar and a tag. The collar was was attached to a waist belt with a a conspicuous industrial-grade chain, Chains also dangled from her, her ears or from, from the, the ringlets of her black trench, trench coat. I recognized the universal form of a goth, that role prized by young people because of its enormous potential to shock. Amanda did not even notice my presence when I introduced myself. She did, however, get up and follow me when I went into my office. 
and I was some surprised that the woman sitting beside her did exactly the same thing. In my office, she introduced herself as Amanda's mother. Turning to Amanda, I asked if she was willing to have her mother accompany her for this meeting. She answered that her mother was her best friend and that she had come because she was invited by her mother. I was intrigued, David Benner says. Young people like Amanda are not often the best friends with their mothers, and yet the affection between them was clear. Sensing also, however, her mother's disapproval of Amanda's lifestyle, I asked what was the bond that had allowed them to remain close to her mother? And Amanda replied, For as long as I can remember every night of my life, I end the day by getting into bed with my mother and snuggling. Amanda's relationship with her mother is quite remarkable and is in large part responsible for the fact that she, was, she now left behind what she describes as her black time and is finding her way through adolescence in a relatively healthy manner. Amanda knew that she was deeply loved just exactly as she was. Her mother disapproved of many things in her life, but with a wisdom I have rarely seen in parents, Amanda's mother recognized that what her daughter needed was not lectures, but incredible love. Fortunately for Amanda, she had been given this in large amounts. We never outgrow. We never get over. We are never to be over familiar with the incredible truth that God's grace has come to us in love to guide us, to save us, to heal us, to forgive us, to, to show us how to make our way in the world. God's love, and knowing it in a deeper level, and obeying God's commands, as Moses said, are a sure indicator of spiritual progress. Knowing God's love, as Moses says to Israel, is the foundation, really, of the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit works in us to first and foremost love. And loving God and loving God's commands and living a life of love in the world is an incredible resource to reaching an indifferent world. It's the center, this call, Hear, O Israel, (laughs) the Lord your God is one. He brought you out of Egypt. Now, (laughs) in grateful response, love God back and love our neighbors as we would love ourselves. The good news is absolutely God forgives us. Does anybody need second chances? That's included. Because of what God has done. In deliverance from Egypt, in deliverance from death and sin by Jesus, by filling us with his spirit, we are the loved people of God. However, now, this is the challenge. 
as it was for people crossing into the promised land, as it is for us. The challenge is living love in a world in light of the love that we have. I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to say that I don't remember a time that is increasingly more complex and challenging for those of us who live in Western Canada or Canada. There is increasing polarization across all groups, even within the church. We are, we are letting go of our call to be unified in the body of Christ and we're entering into echo chambers where being right in our own kind of rightness is more important than laying down pride and loving one another. There's growing skepticism about authority. There's, there's a movement of anti-institutionalism. Who has any right to tell us what to do? And everybody seems to have the truth. And if you don't agree with their particular kind of truth, you believe all kinds of manners and you can't be associated with. And so left and right political things we, or, or, or ideology, we, we, are, we, are break, we are fracturing apart all over the place. And so the challenge of this text, this over-familiar call, hear, O Israel, hear, O Erickson Covenant Church, to love God with everything you have and to live in the world in love. To lay down our life for the sake of building a world of peace in Jesus' name. Maybe this is our greatest calling right now, is to be people who lovingly obey the commands of God, to love our neighbors, even if they don't see the world the way we see the world. To be people of mercy, and humbleness to claim that we we know who Jesus is and this Lord of ours calls us to love one another. What do you sense today? being called to do in response to the good news of God's love? How are you at an intersection, a crossroad yourself, with family members, with each other as a congregation, with colleagues, with organizations, where you are feeling called to practically put in place now Loving, living. Because that's what it meant to be the people of Israel in the promised land. That's what it means to be the people who claim Jesus as our Lord. Let's pray together.
Jesus, help us, I pray, to take this incredible truth that we are loved by you and the call to love you in response and loyal living in the world. Help us, I pray, by your Holy Spirit to be your people again for this time in our history. I pray your blessing and your power and your goodness and your riches upon Erickson Covenant Church, upon the leaders of this church, upon Pastor Tom, upon other staff members. Jesus, watch over them as they forge a new way, as we, as we arise in a sense out of COVID and we re-engage each other and our task in the world, give them wisdom and passion, excitement and joy that they may be known again and again and again in their community as people who love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Good to be with you. Take care. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.